Are you ready, Ma? Ready, Erin. Let's go. Let's go to, I believe it is Los Angeles, California. It would have to be. In the year... Uh, 1955? Uh, about, I guess so. And what film are we doing this week? This week we are doing Rebel Without a Cause. Rebel Without a Cause. This is a, um, you know, one of those. It like is. Like a classic. I've, I always have known about the movie Rebel Without a Cause. This is not what I thought that movie is <laughs> and I had no idea what I thought that the movie was but I'll tell you what this was not it even funnier than that I was in the play Rebel Without a Cause in high school what? yes I, I played grandma <laughs> and I forgot the whole plot I mean I, I don't know that I even paid attention <laughs> Well, Grandma just came in. She just had that one at bat, and she calls her shot and hits it out of the park. She came in like a wrecking ball. Wrecking ball. Yes, she did. That's well, so not so funny. much in the play. I just remember uh, being in the police station. <laughs> That's the only place Grandma was. Yeah, and I wore um, a purple sweater. Skirt combination that belonged to my aunt. <laughs> of course you did. Of course I did. I just wish there were pictures. Oh, man. Who? Okay, okay. So should I go with the particulars? Yeah, let's do it. All right. So this film, Rebel Without a Cause, was released October 27th, 1955. I believe it was Warner Brothers, correct? It was Warner Brothers. All right. It is directed by Nicholas Ray. He also directed They Live by Night, In a Lonely Place, and Johnny Guitar. These are like films. Don't know any of those. Well, Johnny Guitar has Joan Crawford in it. Ooh. Yeah. I, you know, in watching this movie, the direction, I thought this was directed really well. There were some very interesting choices, some camera moves. So I was surprised that I didn't know who Nicholas Ray was. He's not a name that you kind of hear a lot, but he's he's done some stuff. I was just okay. surprised that he wasn't more whatever. So the screenplay is by Stuart Stern. He also wrote 1976's tele-movie Sybil, which I thought was interesting. Oh, I remember that. That was pretty creepy. Mm -hmm. The multiple personalities, I think. With, wasn't Sybil Shepherd in it or something? See, I think you think it was Sybil Shepherd because of the name Sybil, but, but I don't think she was in it. I just know it was multiple personalities. Mm -hmm. Yeah. It was before my time. But all these things are before my time. The story um, was by Nicholas Ray, and it was adapted from Irving Stuhlman. He, ha he did an early film treatment, and then Nicholas Ray and Stuart Stern kind of took those ideas and fleshed them out. Huh. Um, it, oh wait, because it was based, the title came from a book, the 1944 book, Rebel Without a Cause, the hip, hypnoanalysis of criminal psychopath. 
So Whoa. Warner Brothers basically just love the title. They, I mean, yeah. they didn't thumb through. They, they just bought that book because they're like, we're going to use that title. It's a great title. Yeah. Um, it stars Natalie Wood, Sal Mineo, Jim Backus, who is Thurston Howell III on Gilligan's Island. He was indeed. <laughs> I'm sure he's thrilled to be remembered for that that's, out of all his body of work. That's what he's remembered as. Yeah, I mean, true. that's what has endured. Anne Doran, Corey Allen, who played Buzz. This dude, Corey Allen, went on to direct a ton of television in the 70s and 80s. Oh, wow. He directed, like, Rockford Files, Barnaby Jones, Magnum P.I., The Cosby Mysteries. Yeah, you go through this guy and, like, the the work that he did on television, you're like, I've heard that show. I know that show. I know that show. It's crazy. So, yeah, he had a great career. Um, Even though he looks like a 40-year-old in this film. (laughs) <laughs> He's a teenager. And Dennis Hopper. Yes. And this was, I believe, the film debut of one Dennis Hopper. He starred as Goon. He, he kind of kept that that idea up. He was, he, he was, it was a bit part. Yes. Yes. Oh, and of course. Let's not forget the big one. <laughs> let we forget. James Byron Dean. And that's the reason you picked this, right? It is. Because you hadn't really seen James Dean in action. I was like, what's up with James Dean? Mm-hmm. This guy. And he only really made three movies. He made East of Eden, which Ilya Kazan directed. And we're definitely going to do it at some point. Yeah, we need to add that to the list. So that came out. In nineteen, I think nineteen fifty-five, and everybody was like, "Whoa, who is this guy? Who is this James Dean?" And then he mm-hmm. gets Rebel Without a Cause. He films that. I believe they filmed from March to May in nineteen fifty-five. Then he goes on and he does this work in this movie called Giant, mm-hmm. with like Rock Hudson and Elizabeth Taylor. And that movie is at the end of its shoot. It's in September 1955, and he, um, he was really into motor, motor racing and cars, and he was pretty good at it. He was winning a whole bunch of races and stuff, and he was on his way to a race, and he got into a car accident and died. Mm-hmm. Didn't even get to finish filming Giant. The only film of his he ever saw finished was East of Eden. He's the only actor to ever get nominated for two Academy Awards posthumously. Wow. Yeah. For East of Eden and Giant, not for Rebel Without a Cause. And, when and Rebel- he, could, he, he could only do Rebel Without a Cause because Elizabeth Taylor was pregnant and had to back up the filming of Giant. Oh, see, fascinating. So mm-hmm. he died September 30th, and this movie came out October 27th, so almost a month after his death. And mm-hmm. he made those three movies, and I know about Everybody knows about him. Everyone knows James Dean. Mm-hmm. He made three movies. So that's why I wanted to do this, because I'm like, what the hell? Yeah, what's the deal? Yeah, there's been plenty of actors who have come in like wrecking balls and gone out, and nobody's like, nobody's like oh my God, Brad Renfro. Right. So... 
Very, very interesting stuff. He was the it guy at that time. He was the it guy. And see... And still, and still I mean, you still hear the name James Dean. And in watching this, I get it. Because I thought, oh, he was just James Dean. He was just a good-looking guy. But no, he was... He was all... He was very actorly. He was very much in that Marlon Brando kind of like ball of energy, like... Method acting. Yeah, I'm acting. Yeah. You know, he had that... He, the actors that he most reminded me of in modern times, like for my lifetime, like my James Dean of my generation, I would have to say it's Brad Pitt. Hello. You know, just the Hello, guy. Mr. Pitt, that, if you're listening, we're huge fans. Yeah. Like, I remember the first movie I saw him in because I was like, who the hell is this guy? Everybody did. It was Thelma and Louise. Yeah. You're and like, everybody went, what? What? Yeah. Yeah. Can we rewind that part? Let's let's watch that again. Uh, yeah. It's just who is this guy? And Hollywood's like, guys, don't worry, we know that. And interesting fact with this movie, it was Warner Brothers just saw it as a B picture, so they started mm -hmm. filming it in black and white, and then people started talking about this dude in East of Eden, and they're like, oh man, there are some rumblings that this James Dean is fantastic so how funny um they didn't even know what they were getting yeah they were like let's stop what we're doing right now and here's some color stock and here is i think they did it in whatever their warner brothers cinema scope like fancy new thing is like we're gonna film it in this because we we got this great looking guy with great charisma we're gonna reshoot everything in color let's see the baby blues and action yeah, he did have a he, yeah he had a a big screen presence. Yeah, he did. Like you watch this movie, and you're like, I get. All right, I get it, James Dean. I get it. So let's let's go into it because even though I get it, when I watched this movie, I was like, huh. Mm hmm. Sort of a B movie. Yeah. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Keep waiting for the something really. Cool to happen. Okay, so it starts with police sirens. Well, yeah, it starts with an improvised scene. That yeah, because he does. did this. All, he asked if he could be in charge of this film of the scene. Yeah, so it starts with there's just this toy and and James Dean's just you could tell he's drunk and he just starts playing with this toy and it's he's very he's emoting he's being very actorly but you can't take your eyes off him. And you feel like he's, like, overacting a little bit. Yeah. But still, you want to watch him. You don't want to go, oh, my goodness, I'm turning this off. It was, the the toy was, uh, back in the day, a, a kind of a um, favorite kind. It was a, a wind-up monkey with symbols. They didn't have the internet. They didn't have Xboxes. There weren't video <laughs> games. This is what children found as entertaining. It's true. It's creepy to me. It explains a lot, but that's that was a toy. It was. And it would it would it would swivel. I mean it would it would move around a little bit in circles. Okay, so this monkey is doing his thing and James Dean in a full suit and a tie and a white shirt is laying on the in the street. 
and I, and I said, um, and he's talking to the, the toy monkey, and, and he finds a, a paper trash and covers the monkey up like it's a blanket and finds a bow in the street and puts it on the top of the monkey's head. I said, he, it's just plain drunkenness. Yeah, he's just drunk. He's just a drunk, tortured boy. And um, then they take him to the police station, and he asks if he can keep the monkey. Yeah, I think it's the juvenile hall. Like the juvenile wing of the police station. But it's there's still like detectives and yeah. uniforms and such. Okay, so in, in the police station also, Natalie Wood is sitting on a bench. Mm-hmm. And she's waiting to be called in to talk to a detective. Well, I called him a detective because he had a suit on. Yeah, I think he was more of like a social worker. Okay, and so we find out her name is Judy, and she's crying, and she says, he must hate me, but he needs me. He called me a dirty tramp, my own father. She's crying. It's Easter. He grabbed me. He rubbed the lipstick off my lips. I ran out of the house, and and the... Adult says, is that why you're here? Is that why you were wandering around at 1 a.m.? Kind of making a reference to the fact that was she was looking she a, for yes. company? I was like, wait, is Natalie Wood a teenage sex worker in this film? Because, I mean, she wasn't dressed as one, but um, because she was wandering around at 1 a.m., they just assumed she was. I think, I think because she was a woman... And she was wandering around at 1 a.m. unaccompanied, unaccompanied in 1955 was the mm-hmm. that I think she got picked up. Oh. I th- because you either read it that way or you read it that she got picked up because they thought she was a sex worker. And I'm like, mm-hmm. w- in 1955, which one do they, which one <laughs> does Hollywood want us to think that is happening? Because in 2018, I'm like, oh, she's a teenage sex worker. Mm-hmm. She's just going for the innocent schoolgirl look. <laughs> the Britney Spears. Yeah. Um, and then the the adult says, "Well, we'll call your dad," and she gives her phone number. And then I'm like, "Well, is her dad? I guess her dad is not happy that she's a sex worker, or her dad doesn't want her to be a sex worker and thinks that she is." I was I'm I was very confused. Like, what does this movie want me to think right now? Well, I thought that maybe she was being abused by her father. Like her father was taking advantage of her? Yeah, cuz I thought it was a really weird relationship. Yeah. So, I mean, there's all of like those a lot things of, there's come a lot of questions that you're you're looking at this through 2000 a 1955 movie through 2018 eyes and you're That's just like, true. what am I supposed to be thinking right now? Yeah, I, and I'm waiting for the uh, the the twist, the plot twist. Well, but guess what? In the police station we also have our one and only oh, person, person of, of color. color. Yes. And she is there. And she's there with somebody named. I think his name is John. But his he name goes was by John. Plato. His name was John. But but we hadn't gotten to him yet. We just saw her 
and we saw John. He's very. He looks very. I thought that he was like Hispanic, but Salminio is Sicilian. I was thinking at first with my 2018 eyes, maybe he was her son because when we get to it, <laughs> they say, who is your mother? And I expected it to be a, um, what movie did we watch? Oh, oh, it, oh, the one where imitation of life. Imitation of life moment where she, where she goes, I'm his mother. And he like, he's totally embarrassed. Didn't happen, though. Didn't happen that way. I think it would have been great if it did. It's so okay, funny so how the, our 2018 eyes to this. <laughs> it, it would have been so much better with these changes. I know. So um, then the the adult says to Judy, your mother's coming in. And she's like, my mother? I, I don't want my mother to come in. And so um, she gets up and she leaves something in the chair. And it looked like a little notebook, but it turns out it was a compact. Ah. Well, you might ask, what is a compact? It is. Uh, People it still is use where, compacts. Yeah. Yeah, your pressed powder is in there and has a pretty cover on it with the mirror so you can apply your makeup. Okay, and then we hear Jim, Jim, and mother and father are coming in to pick up James Dean, whose name is Jim in the film. Mm. And the grandmother comes in, not in a purple sweater knit skirt combination i wish i had known this before i watched i would have been keen on the grandmother i would have just been just no picturing you in a home perm as the grandmother (laughs) i knew the home perm was coming into this somewhere okay so he's jim stark now the uh, they're they're there, but then we flip to John and and the um, black woman who Ooh, is who, his care. Yeah, who is played by Marietta Canty. Taker. <clears throat> and they're saying to him, "Why did you shoot those puppies?" At which point, I I went, "What the fuck?" Yeah. I did a full record scratch in my head. Of, <laughs> Excuse me? This is just casually dropped in? This sweet angel-faced boy with the big brown saucer eyes shot and killed a litter of puppies? Puppies. At which point I said... If the next question from this this old man, and he wasn't an old man, but the man in the suit is not, when did you, sir, <laughs> baby face, puppy killer, did you ever suffer a severe head injury as a child? <laughs> because that's the only follow-up question we need to know at this point. And he's like, I want, and I want you to think real hard. If you and then look to the caretaker and be like, ma'am, did this boy ever severely hit his head? And then go, um, you know what? I'm sorry, never mind. We need to watch you 24-7 for like you you shot and killed puppies. Puppies. You're this guy is this not kittens. <laughs> not kittens. Why not kittens? Puppies. He shot and killed puppies. This guy, this guy is He's a psychopath or a sociopath. 
whatever path you want to throw at him, I'm, he goes on a watch list immediately. He should never be allowed to own any firearms. But he can get them without any background checks. This- he actually got it from his mother's drawer, the gun. And he says his nickname is Plato. I called him Pluto the rest of the film, but but um, Plato. I was like, why is this guy in the rest of the film? Because he shot and killed puppies. Like, that's that's not you know normal. <laughs> right. He should be locked that away. That is a serious, serious problem. I know it's going to be a couple of years before the idea of serial killers like even comes in. But this is a young serial killer we are just watching here. Exactly. I I was just, it took me out of the film completely. I was like, you just casually just, he's, oh, look at him. He kind of got in trouble with the law for killing puppies. He's going to jail. And he just, and he he walks. I mean, there's no repercussion. Yeah, there isn't even a slap on the wrist. It's just, oh, because his father left him, left the family, and his mother is always going out on vacations. And they're like, oh, well... Kids will be kids. Yeah, will they? Killing puppies. And the the um, the housekeeper is talking for him. It's like you know she has been his caretaker and she really cares about him. And they say it's his birthday today. So how did he spend it? Killing, killing puppies. puppies. Okay, we're gonna leave that scene. Oh, I know, people. Because it's hard. This is why I was like, I did not think that Rebel Without a Cause just casually drops in killing puppies. And then leaves it. Yeah. Never to be mentioned again. It's never mentioned again. Although I will, I never forget it when I see this kid. So um, Jim goes in the, uh, the room where Judy was and he finds her compact. And... He's humming while his parents are arguing. All his parents do is argue. And dad is saying, what's the deal? He was just a little loaded. Now, this is not the kid who killed puppies. This is the guy who was drunk on the street. (laughs) Yeah. I'm like, one of these you cut loose, and one of these you bring, like, the parents in and everyone to have an intervention. But it's not this guy. Let's go back to the puppy killer. So Jim Backus is saying to James Dean that they, you know, they just moved here. I buy you lots of things. And James Dean, in in his tortured soul, cries out, you're tearing me, me apart. apart. So um, the detective, well, I, I, the adult takes Jim away from the family, away from the arguing adults, because grandma's there and grandma is, is, is one righteous woman <laughs> and um he th- through the people of the door he can see his parents arguing 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 at which point he takes a swing at the adult like he's gonna punch him yeah and oh, what the, how, god this guy is like really drunk and then he says please lock me up i'm gonna hit somebody and he punches and kicks the desk well, and yeah, hurts his hand. Because the, the guy, you know, Mr. Cool Guy, talking to the kids is like, hey, don't don't punch anybody. Why don't you punch the desk if you want to punch something? So, I'm like, so he does, and, yeah. and he hurts himself. And Why in real did, life, he Where he was the advice for the puppy killer? Hey, next time you see a bunch of beautiful little puppies and you have a gun in your hand. Jeez. So then the adult asks, did you move uh, from your last town because you were in trouble? 
and why you messed that kid up back there? Uh, so, oh, yeah. evidently he he got in a fight with somebody, yeah. a drunken brawl. Well, he and got into he a fight with the kid because the kid called him a chicken, and he yeah, doesn't like it when he gets called a chicken. A buzzword with him. Yeah. Yeah, literally. I like what you did there with the buzzword. The audience will understand later. And then um, he's talking, and then James Dean is talking about his dad. And he said, if he just had the guts to knock my mom around once, (laughs) she wouldn't treat him like that. I was like, whoa, whoa, whoa. Rebel without a cause. This is the. 1955. He's mad at his dad because his dad won't clock his mom. Because he, he's convinced that if his dad would just pop his mom once, then his mom would get snapped out of being such a bitch and she would be, like, happy that he smacked her. So at this point, uh, because grandma is pretty much agreeing with the wife, <coughs> excuse me, I'm thinking maybe grandma is the mother's mother. But no. The grandma is the father's father, mother. So all the women in his dad's life just treat him like he is a non-person. And James Dean is saying, I don't ever want to be like him. And the adult says, chicken, if I had one day, I didn't have to be confused, didn't feel confused. He was so tortured. Oh, he is so angst-ridden. So the adult is saying, well, I just want you to talk to me before you get in trouble again. And then the grandma is saying, he made a mistake. He's not going to make, he's, he'll make no more trouble. Uh, that's the scene. And that, that's the end. We don't see grandma again. <laughs> Grandma's out. Um, then we're at Jim's house and breakfast is being made. And um, Jim, it's the first day of school. And he has on uh, a, a um, sports jacket, a white shirt and tie. And he's going on his first day to high school. Yeah, I'm like, this is not the way that I know delinquents to dress. I'm just and, saying. And mom asks if he's nervous about his first day. And he looks out the window and he sees Judy. Judy must be a neighbor. And she's smoking. And I mean, she's smoking a cigarette. Which but that, he thinks she's smoking. But that, see, to me, I was just like, well, everybody smoked in the 50s. So I didn't even put it together that she's a teenager. <laughs> and she's smoking. And so she's well, they, bad. Yeah, and they all looked older than yeah, teenagers. Because so, I was just like, well... I just thought that I thought that when you got your first communion, they gave you a pack of cigarettes back in the day. That's how I've been raised to believe that smoking worked back then. Everybody smoked. Yeah. Are you eight years old? Here. Here's a pack of Marlboros. Have at it. It's good for you. So Jim runs up to meet with her because he's taken by her. He saw her in the police station. He has her compact. He he thinks she's she's pretty well, pretty. She's Natalie Wood, you know. And they have banter. And then he goes, "I know where I first saw you," and she is so embarrassed because she was seen at the police station. Now is but, she but, embarrassed I, because she was seen at the police station, or is she embarrassed because she's a lady of the night? Okay. Again, we don't so, know. <laughs> we don't know. 
Or because her father is, you know. Yeah. Because, again, not to, like, you know, beat the dead horse and gone with the wind, but this move this movie already established that one of the characters shot and killed a litter of puppies so i'm like all bets are off into this universe of what is acceptable and not acceptable i'm like 1955 i can't i don't understand what's acceptable and what's shocking so at this point a car full of boys pulls up and and it's a convertible, so you can have a whole lot of them in there. Well, uh, and and there were some girls in there too. And the boys were wearing jeans, leather jackets, and motorcycle boots, so you know they're bad. They're bad. And here is dude in a shirt and tie. Mm-hmm. And he says, uh, Dean says to Judy, "I'll bet you're a real yo-yo." <laughs> Don't know what that means, but I'll be it, James Dean. So they end up at Dawson High School. And he takes his tie off because he's figured that out. And what's funny is all the kids are outside the high school. And while the flag is being raised, everyone is silent. Well, they all stop. And I I was like, I know what that's like. <laughs> that's my childhood. Yeah, well, you grew up on, on an army base, but a lot of people didn't. An uh, army, uh, it was not a base. And um, so to me, the fact that they could get all of them quiet at one time, that was... Uh, yeah, that was how it. much they respected the flag. The flag and the school insignia, which was on the the steps going in. Nobody stepped on it. Yeah. Everybody stepped around Even it. Even the bad boys, because James Dean, he doesn't know. He steps on the school insignia when he's walking into school. And then the bad boys, who are supposed to be the iconoclast, are all, they all have a conniption fit because the guy stepped on the school insignia. And I'm like, what kind of rebel bad boys are these guys? Yeah, yeah, exactly. Okay, so he says, I'm sorry. I'm sorry, cool dudes. I'm sorry. Well, at this point, I have Pluto instead <laughs> of locker, but it's Plato. And in his mirror, he sees James Dean. Now, did you see a picture in his mirror of Alan Ladd? Yeah. I, so I was like, okay, Plato's gay. He, well, bingo, but I'll bet you in 1955, nobody picked up on I that. I did. I was like, oh, he's gay. And then the way he was looking at James Dean, I was like, ah, okay. Because James Dean told him, look at me the way I'm looking at Natalie Wood. So they are um, going on a planetarium field trip. And the, um, they have school buses, but of course weird, James though? Dean drives himself. So was this was this the first day of school, or was it just the, James Dean's first day of school? Must have been James. It must Dean's have been first his day first day of school. Because I was like, yeah. that's ambitious to on the first day of school have a field trip to the planetarium. But if they have all these kids know to be to stand still and be silent while the flag's going up and to not step on the school insignia, there was actually some control of people back then. Well, he goes in and he sits with the cool dudes and Plato sits behind him and the cool dudes are playing around and the, um, the man giving the presentation in the planetarium mentions Taurus and so at that point James Dean wanting to be one of the cool guys makes a a bull sound. Well I thought he was like a cow. I thought he said moo. Well it was a cow sound. Uh-huh. Um 
And Plato says to him, don't monkey around with them. It's hard to make friends with them. And Buzz is Judy's beau. Yeah. So and the presentation ends with the, with the person in charge saying, and the earth will explode. <laughs> uh, yeah. And it's over. So um, James Dean goes up to the planetarium dude and he sees all the switches to work the planetarium. And, and he thinks that's cool. And then the, um, the cool guys are outside when he comes outside. And um, one of the cool guys says to Buzz, what are we going to do about the funny dude? Because, look, James Dean just walked in the class and you're Buzz... This is your like you own this. You're the you're the Lion King. And this other lion just came in and this other lion is magnificent. So you have to feel threatened. You got to take this lion out. And and we have a we have a shot where we have a a triangle of James Dean, Buzz and Plato. And Plato goes away and finds James Dean outside. I wrote JC. I don't think Jesus was in there. So <laughs> I, I I'm telling you guys, when when I said that this was not the movie that I was expecting, <laughs> Jesus Christ he, himself all of a sudden appears at the Griffith Observatory. No, it's, crazy. it's James Dean. And he goes, hey, I know where we can go. You know, there's this big uh, abandoned mansion over there. Let's go over there, and we can just cool out, and the cool dudes can do whatever they're doing. Now, I well, would the- like to I would like to make a timeout here because this was shot at Griffith Observatory, and Ma has been there. As I've been have there. I. It's in Los Angeles. Did you notice when they pointed to the mansion how sparse <laughs> and not built up everything was? <laughs> yeah. Yeah, because he said there's a mansion over there. It was the only building to be seen. Yeah. I was like, man, Los Angeles, 1955. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. It it has sprawled a bit. But the observatory, that's what it looks like. It's the same. Mm -hmm. I did laugh, though, because he when he goes to the field trip, he does drive all the way up to the observatory. Yeah. And I'm like, nobody. Like, you have to park a mile away and walk. On the side of the mountain. Yeah, you you are not getting that spot. This is Hollywood. You've got to hike. And then when you get in the cool, dark observatory, some people fall asleep. (laughs) (laughs) Might or might not have happened to me. And so the cool dudes are coming for James Dean. And they surround the car, and somebody whips out a switchblade. Oh, okay. So James Dean and, and Plato, they're up on the observatory. And where James Dean's car is parked, it's parked down. So the cool guys have all figured out that this was his car because he had to drive himself because he was late. So they all just climb on his car and ow, I my blood was boiling for Jim at this point because I saw boots on my car. I saw buttockses uh, with jeans and metal that you know that they are scraping the mess out of his finish and being real disrespectful. 
And it's all of them. It's about 10 people, guys and girls, all just looking, just lay, all just, you know, sitting on his car, looking up at him like, what are you going to do? And I'm like, what can he do? He's up there. I was just like, these cool guys are dicks. <laughs> which which made you matter, the killing of the puppies or the disrespect of the car? You know? It's a, it's, it's a tie, isn't it? <laughs> the puppies is worse, but it is shocking how, how I had to think about it. Because I was like, that's real disrespectful. Are you kidding me? You should see how fast I, I look at these kids here if I see them playing around my car. Yeah. I don't. The kids in the neighborhood know, leave Aaron's car alone. They don't understand how I was raised. You don't play around cars. You don't touch cars. You only get in and out and you shut doors carefully around cars. No slamming of There's doors. There's no slamming of doors. If you are if you are standing and you get a little tired, you should sit down. You do not lean on cars. Well, at this point, one of the switch knives goes down and punctures his white wall tire. Oh. The I was seeing such red. I was I said James Dean, Jim, my man. Just hop over and do a tumble down and just start wailing on people. <laughs> uh, uh, okay, so he goes down there and he says, "You read too many comic books." At which point, all of the all of the cool guys start walking like chickens, like chickens. And he's like, and, and, and you can just see James Dean, like he. He acts this out better than I would have, obviously, because me, I, my neck would have started twitching, my <laughs> eye would have started going, and I would be like, "You don't call me a chicken." <laughs> and he goes, "I thought only punks fought with knives." Uh, and and James Dean's going, "I don't want any trouble." Yeah, he's like, "Look, I almost killed a man the last place I was. I don't want any trouble." And someone throws. Um, a knife at him and he doesn't want to pick it up. Yeah, they're going to play the knife game. I'm like, who are these kids? The knife game? And it looks like, to me, like he throws it over the wall, but it ends up on the wall as it would, Mm -hmm. of course. And so they have a knife fight. And But there's rules of the knife fight. There's no no, um, stabbing. You only like stick. And I'm like, this is, that sounds so dangerous. Yeah, you just stick, you don't plunge. This is so and dangerous. Whoever cuts off a button first is the winner. I don't, un- and I'm sitting here going, like, I don't understand 1955. I don't understand, like, this is acceptable teenage behavior. Like, teenagers are like, we have a great game. And then I think, well, teenagers today eat Tide Pods. And somehow I'm like, I would rather teenagers eat Tide Pods because that's just dumb and it's you. As opposed to like, let's play this knife game and we have this knife and I'm spastic and I have to trust you not to stab one of my vital organs. This doesn't make sense. And the whole point is to get a button and then you can join the gang. (sighs) Okay, so there's a security guard. (laughs) And he's like, hey, look at those kids down there. And at first the security guard is just like, yeah, they're playing the knife game. Yeah, yeah. kids will be kids. <laughs> yeah, that's fine. 
Well, James Dean is able to flip. It was a buzz he was fighting. Mm-hmm. That his knife out of his hand. And yeah. he goes, knives are trouble. So they talk. So they go, okay, fine. There's a cheeky run tonight at 8 o'clock. Yeah, so basically in the nice thing, they both kind of get a little slashed up. But then James Dean is able to, like, get the knife out of Buzz's hand. And he has him. He could kill Buzz right now if he wanted to. Mm-hmm. And he's just like, this is dumb. This is a stupid game. Knives are dumb. And then what does Buzz say? What does Buzz say? Well, Buzz, like we were saying, Buzz is like, all right, well, there's a chicky run tonight. Chicky run. And at this point, I'm thinking. Playing chicken. Yeah. At this point, I'm thinking, Jim, you just won. You could have killed this guy. You don't have to do the chicken run because you had this guy dead to rights. Except then they would call him a. Chicken. Chicken. So they're going to they're gonna go <clears throat> steal cars to do a chicky run. And he says to Plato, what is a chicky run? <laughs> he agrees to it and he doesn't even know what it is. And he's been stuck like three times. You On his white shirt, you can see three little blobs of blood mm-hmm. from the little sticking, not the full stabbing. Well, he goes home. And this is, and it was embarrassing. His dad had on an apron. And he was picking up a food tray off the floor. He was taking the food tray to his mama, and he dropped it. Looked to me like she might have thrown it at him, though. <laughs> yeah. And so, so he. But the funniest thing about is that the apron is hideous, and well, I do wonder why a- the hell did he decide? Like, what was his mindset that he was like, "I'm gonna put this apron on and deliver my mom her tray of food." I think that she's thrown the tray before and he didn't want to get the food on his suit. So he put (laughs) the apron on. But he's saying I have to clean it up before she sees it. So he is he is cowering. He's whipped. He's (laughs) I mean, he's he is a man who's in over his head. And James Dean goes, let her see it. Let her see the mess. What's going to happen? What's the worst that can happen? He and James Dean is so frustrated with his father because he's pretty much a chicken. Then we see Judy at home and she's going out and she kisses her dad on the lips. Yeah. And at which point I think to myself, I wonder if the father really did call her a tramp or if she like, did she make this up? And why is she kissing her dad on the lips? And dad goes, whoa, 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 you're too old for that. Yeah, he says, don't be kissing me on the lips. Girls your age don't do that. Ah! And he slaps her. <laughs> this that is this is, she, this, she has daddy issues, man. And there's a reason why daddy has daddy issues. <laughs> yeah, yeah, daddy was weird. Like that, their family was a classic weird family. I felt like... You know, like he had feelings for her that he knew he shouldn't have. And so he overreacted. That was my that was my take on it. That was and mine she, as well. She goes, this isn't my home. And she runs out. Turn my page. So um, then we're back to James Dean's house. Dad with the apron goes into Jimbo's room. Hey, Jimbo. Hey, Jimbo. And, and Jimbo asks for advice. 
but dad sees blood on his shirt. And so he freaks out. And so James Dean is saying to his dad, what can you do when you have to be a man? And the dad can't answer because he forgot what it was like to be a man. And James Dean is going, give me an answer. Um, you know, what do you do when you don't want to do something, but you know you have to do it to look like you're being a man? But did the dad really, is the dad really not a man? Because I was just like, what's, yeah, he's getting pushed around and stuff, but I didn't really, I didn't see the, as, I didn't see his, as, is as dire. I was just like, well, you know. There's a lot of toxic masculinity in 1955. I'm, I'm not really seeing him as like, oh, what he's doing is so awful. Like, what's so I, awful about getting a plate and taking it to his, you know, bitch mom? Yeah, but that's what, I mean, that's how um, Jim is seeing it all. So, cool dudes are at the spot. Plato's there, and they're going to play chicken. Now, tell them what chicken involves. Chicken involves two people are in cars, um, stolen cars, evidently, and there's this huge cliff, and um, the last one who tucks and rolls out of the car while the car goes over the cliffs wins. So you want to be the last one still in the car. You want to see your com your your competition tuck and roll out of the car before you do. And if you don't do it right, you go over the cliff with the car and it's, that's all there is. I was like, what? <clears throat> that is ludicrous children. And um, at the edge of the cliff goes right into the Pacific ocean. I was like, yeah, I'm a chicken. <laughs> bok bok. <laughs> So Plato is talking to Judy and Plato is saying, he's my best friend. He's sincere. I'm like, Plato, you like, stop pretending like, you know what human feelings are. You don't. You can't. So James them. Dean is saying to Buzz, why do you do this? Why do you do this chicken game? And Buzz says, you got to do something. Well, yeah, because James Dean, well, because Buzz says to one of them, they both base, one of them says to the other, you know what? I actually like you. And I think Buzz says that to James Dean. And James yeah, he Dean's does. like, yeah, then why are we doing this? And Buzz is like, well, you got to do something. All right, man. Okay, so it's time to start up the cars. And Judy is the signaler. So she stands in between the cars. And when her, her hands are raised and when she drops them, that's when they step on the gas for playing chicken. Mm hmm and and so she goes over to buzz before that and and for some reason he needs some dirt in his hands i'm guessing his palms are very sweaty oh okay and so she kisses him and um then james dean calls her over and says hey i need some dirt too and so obviously she's conflicted between these two um 30 year old men and um <laughs> james so dean was 24 Oh, he was 24. Okay. I think Buzz was 30. Buzz w had a receding hairline already. <laughs> well, they're start and they're going, and Buzz's leather jacket sleeve gets caught in his door handle. Ugh. And so 
actually, he won the game. He did win the game. Get out of the car first. Because James Dean's looking over, and James Dean is, but like, uh, Buzz, Buzz isn't going. You know what? I'm a chicken. And he tucks and rolls, and the cars go over, and (laughs) everything. And like all his Buzz's crew all run over to the edge of the cliff and they're all like, what the fuck just happened? And I'm like, yeah, your game is dumb. Your your boy just died. And then James Dean runs up and he's like, woohoo, buddy. Hey, where's Buzz? And they're like, Buzz is down there. Ooh. So everybody books. They leave. Like, we got to get out of here. Jim and Plato. Well, yeah, because Jim feels... Because, you know, above all else, Jim feels is what we know. He feels down to his toenails. Yeah. So he is... Distraught. Oof, yeah. And and for once, he actually has a reason to feel distraught. <laughs> yeah. And so Plato, Jim, and Judy get in um, his car... And real quiet ride back. <laughs> at which point he gives Judy her compact back. Hey, I have this of yours. And Plato. Um, uh, you're so, available now. So. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so, so he takes Judy home. And Plato goes, you want to come home with me? Okay. See you tomorrow. Yeah. Plato tried. Plato put he, it out there. Yeah. So Judy goes home and she hugs her little brother and Jim goes home and he's drinking milk out of the bottle. <laughs> His father's asleep in a chair. But why does he, if he's drinking milk out of a bottle, why does he act like he's drunk? Is <laughs> my question. He's drunk with. Angst. Angst. Yes. That's, he's, he's drunk on angst. So, so James Dean lies down on the couch. Mom comes down. And James Dean goes, I'm in, I'm in trouble. Uh, I, I was in an accident. And I wrote, Mom has verbal diarrhea because she just starts talking. And oh, she doesn't cow. Talk. Yeah, bah, 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 bah. I'm just like, man, I guess I guess Jim does have a point about, about yeah. his dad. <laughs> and so James Dean goes, remember when I said it was a matter of honor? Well, they called me a chicken and I had to go. I got in one car, Buzz got in the other. I got out okay. Buzz didn't. Can you imagine if I came home and said, <laughs> yeah, a girl killed herself because we were playing this game. And what did you expect me to do, Ma and Pa? They called me a chicken. <laughs> oh, oh. And then he gets so upset because there's all this th- b- between the mom and dad. And he goes, you're well, not listening yeah, because to me. Jim wants to go to the police. He was involved in a man's death. He had a receding hairline. Jim is like, he probably wasn't had a wife and family in Tarzana that we don't know about. And he just moonlighted as a high school kid named Buzz. And he's dead now. I want to go to the cops. And the mom's like, no, you can't go to the cops. You have your future to think about. And the dad's also kind of like, well, you know, that does suck that that happened. But like your mom says, you do have your future to think about. And you can't be idealistic your whole life. Yeah. 
So what if somebody died? It wasn't you. And unless they can pin it on you, son. And he's saying, well, I can't be idealistic except to myself. And the dad says, you know, you did wrong. That's the point. Mm -hmm. And James Dean says, I don't want to learn that way. And mom goes, no problem. We'll just move again. <laughs> We're just going to move. And James Dean's like, why are we always moving? And then James Dean throws it back on the mom and is like, it's not me that we're like, it's you. You're running from something. And but we never know what the mom's deal is. Oh, who knows? And James Dean says, I just want to do something right. And the mom goes, in 10 years, you'll never even know this happened. <laughs> That was, just like, that was the waspiest thing this woman ever said. <laughs> and then James Dean says to his dad, stand up for me. Yeah, and the dad's like, I don't stand up for me, so. Yeah. Um, he starts choking the father, and the mom pulls him off. And <laughs> yeah, because the mom <laughs> says, you're going to kill your own father? I'm just like, man, did this, is Oedipus now involved in this film? What is going on here? Casual so fact-fact There's an oil portrait of Grandma by the door, and he, he kicks through it. Oh, hurt me to the core. I was like, that is a good painting. And he runs out, and he goes to the police station. And the cool guys are coming out of the police station. And Jim's going in. He tries to find... See, I thought that was the the detective. He well, tries yeah, to he, find the guy who told him not to, you know, mm -hmm. don't punch, come see me. But the, the cool guys, because you know that this detective that Jim is looking for is not the cool police guy. Because high school continues after high school. So these real cops, who they think of themselves as the real cops, they don't know who this guy, this kid is trying to say. And it was fun. I laughed too. When James Dean comes in and the cops are like, what are you doing here? And, and he's like, my parents know I'm here. <laughs> I'm like, okay. Okay, so James Dean calls Judy. And and see, this was when Holmes had one, to one lane line. Oh, yeah. And so the dad answers and he hangs up on him because he knows, you know, this is this he's bad news for Judy. Buzz, Buzz was okay, but James Dean is. No, no. I, don't think, I don't I don't think Buzz was okay. Oh. No, I don't think so. I think, either. Yeah, she he did not like and I you know, in watching this I was kinda like, yeah, the dad is the real the dad's real dad like, but I also thought, you know, maybe the dad was in D Day, so Oh, shell shock. Yeah. Maybe the dad has seen some shit in his life and he sees his daughter and he just doesn't want his daughter to go off gallivanting with a boy named Buzz who shows no respect for, for anything. <laughs> <laughs> okay. So he pulls up to her house and she's outside. Um, Jim from Buzz. Oh, and there's a radio playing, and there is a, um, a there were request lines, <laughs> yeah. and the DJ says, "Here's one that goes out to Jim from Buzz." And they play this like big band song, and I'm like, I don't understand. I don't know this big I band. I didn't understand any of that. To know, like, so he he turns the radio off. Obviously, it was as if it was it was a diss track, a big band diss track, 
that the group played. You know, I imagine like if it was hip hop, the sock hop. Yeah, that. It, but if it was if it was nowadays, it was hip hop. If it was twenty years ago, it was like they played Tupac's like "Who Shot Your Bitch" or something, <laughs> and and James D's like "Oh snap," you know, like it was a message. But we just don't know that big band song enough to be like, "Oh shit!" No, they did it. Are you kidding me? They they're playing. They dedicated that song to him. Oh, it's on, son. So. Okay, so Judy is outside, and she, her boyfriend has just gone over a cliff. <laughs> She's not crying. No. She doesn't seem distraught. She's like, well, now I can just be with Jim. Yeah, so, it, it, I don't have to make a decision. Yeah, did we ever see when when Judy leaned in, if she kissed Buzz goodbye and looped his leather wristband around the door <gasps> handle? Aaron, did we see that? Air. <laughs> I'm just saying that would be a good twist in the Mm. 2018 film. (laughs) I mean, Judy do a remake. Judy is a sex worker whose illegitimate child did shoot a litter of puppies. So, (laughs) so Judy tells Jim, I'm sorry I treated you mean today. Don't pay attention to how I am (laughs) with those kids. Nobody acts sincere. Man. And James Dean kisses her forehead. If the body isn't even cold, Judy. And uh, one of them says, I, oh, I think Jim says, I'm not going back in that zoo. I'm never going back. And she's like, I'm not going back home because they cray cray. <laughs> so they say, well, let's go to the mansion. The plate to- told me about. Uh, Plato's on a little Vespa. And he gets oh, God bless Plato's little heart. <laughs> um, and uh, the the cool guys want to know where uh, Jim is because he went to the police station. They assume that he ratted them out. So now they want to take Jim out. Yeah, what? But the the cool guys were at the police station before. So why does it? Why aren't they concerned that Jim is concerned that they ratted Jim out? He's cool guys. Jim's got other angst to angst about. He's got so much. He, his angst has angst. And they take <laughs> Plato's address book. Yes, Plato has an address book. Oh, a Plato. little red book he keeps with him. Plato. Plato. <clears throat> and um, so Plato goes into his house and he's going through some papers. His mo- it's like he's in his mom's room. I, you know what? I didn't know. When Plato went in, I thought that that was his room. And I was like, <laughs> Plato, I, I said strong move for 1955. This is, again. Lots of satin, lots yeah, of frills. Again, I, I, I didn't know. But then they did the whole killing puppies thing. So maybe like this is Plato's room. It is super pink. I didn't think that they oh. like exposed homosexuality in such ways in 1955. But <laughs> again, I don't know what movie this is. Oh, he finds out his father is really Liberace. <laughs> and no, he finds a check for his support from his mother to um, our person of color. So that distresses him. 
And then he finds his mother's gun and he says he's got to go warn Jim. It was not in a safe. It was not in a safe place. It was not stored, unloaded. It was under her pillow. Okay, I have uh, James Dean is pounding on parents' door. No, he's not pounding on parents' door. The bad guys are. The bad guys are pounding on James Dean's like Dennis door. Dennis Hopper is the goon and two other guys. Yeah, um, this is this is Dennis Hopper's big scene. And um, so the mom and dad answer the door. Well, no, the mom doesn't want... no. The mom wants to answer the door, and the dad's like, I don't want to answer the door. I don't hear anything. <laughs> and there's all this banging. And the mom's like, aren't you going to go down and see what's going on? And dad's like, no, I think it's... And he was doing that, what is that, that bicarbonate thing that they yeah. do in the 50s? Bicarbonate of soda. Yeah. Because he's got heartburn. <laughs> oh, man. What doesn't this guy have? And and uh, so he he's forced you know, to find his balls and go open the door. And there's a dead chicken hanging. No, it was live. Oh, it was alive. Because it was balking. And he opens the door and this live chicken's upside down, balking crazy in his face. (laughs) Like this poor man. How did he not poop his pants right then? (laughs) Well, we don't know that he didn't. And And then he uh, gets called out. He's a grown ass man and he gets called out by these delinquents back in the tree line being like, hey, where's your son, Jim? Where's your son, Jim? We want to talk to him. And I was just like, isn't this 1955? Don't you just have a shotgun next to the door? Can't you? Aren't you just going to aren't you just allowed to like snap it and just shoot intermittently? That's when when grandma needed to come out of her room with the shotgun. Yeah. Get off my property. So Jim's not there. Plato arrives and he's going, where's Jim? And Plato, you can see he realizes where Jim is. Yeah. So everybody's looking. The parents are looking. Everybody's looking for Jim. Well, for Jim and Judy, nobody really cares about Plato, truth be told. No, no. Plato's got no one to care about him. So Jay and Jay, Jim and Judy break into the mansion. Plato arrives. Wait a second. They break into the mansion. The mansion isn't unlocked. They break the glass and carefully... Like you, you've you just... Th- this is illegal, what they've done. B&E. It's a B&E. B&E. And Plato says, everybody's looking for you. And Plato lights candles. And they go through the mansion. And um, there's an empty swimming pool. And they're playing in the empty swimming pool. And there's lots of banter, banter, banter. Well, because they're pretending that they're married and that Plato is the realtor. So um, her, again, boyfriend, like maybe two hours ago, went over a cliff. Yeah. And she's bantering in an empty swimming pool. She's a survivor. So Plato falls asleep on the pool deck and Jay and Jay explore the mansion. Mm. <clears throat> well, the cool dudes arrive. So Jay and Jay are upstairs and she says, this is, is this what it's like to be in love? And, and to love someone and we're not going to be lonely anymore. And they kiss. Well, the gang is beating up Plato with chains. (laughs) (laughs) Not the last beating you're going to get, Plato. 
And Plato runs into the empty swimming pool because that's a good idea. Yeah. Go to the place where you're surrounded on all sides. <laughs> it's like they, it's like Sun Tzu said in The Art of War. Go to the lowest point. He didn't well, say that. <laughs> he did that, but there's no escape. But he did escape. He got out and he ran under the piano and he has his gun out. And the police arrive. And I wrote suspense. <laughs> and Plato is crying, save me. We hear a shot. Well, Plato's got the gun. We know that he, I mean, again, his past, he doesn't care about killing beautiful creatures. So he's not going to give two shits about shooting one of you bad apples. Right. And they, uh, first of all, they aren't pretty. And they've been mean to they his new love, Jim. I mean, they're there to kill Jim. Yeah. And they, they beat him up pretty bad. Yeah, they beat him with chains. So mm -hmm. he's, you know. So he shoots one of them. Yeah. And I have to say that he deserved it more than those puppies. <laughs> and um, again, I have JC. I, I think it's James D. <laughs> tackles Plato. <laughs> he runs. He sees the police. Well, because Plato he, got real mad at James Dean because he felt that, that James Dean deserted him because Plato has desertion issues based on his parents. And so when Jim and Judy went to go, you know, get to know yeah. each other in another yeah. room, uh, Jim or Plato got real angry. And, you know, when Plato gets angry, he just kills. This is <laughs> this is what he does. But he did say, why did you leave me down there alone? Well, we weren't going to take you up with us. And he was like, you were sleeping. We didn't leave you alone. We left you a candle. So, um, the candle that came from a three-tiered chandelier, um, a candlestick. Yes. There were three candles in Is that it. a candelabra? Okay. Uh, three candle candelabra. See, again, the Liberace reference. Mm -hmm. And Judy and Jim each took a candle. See, it was a, a love triangle. Yes, yes. Did you get it, people? And left him with the one candle alone. Was, yes, yes. Okay. So um, the police see are running. Um, one policeman runs after Plato. James Dean tries to get to Plato. Judy runs after him. Um, James Dean is shouting, he needs us. And Judy's saying, but so do I. He was talking about you like you were the hero. He wanted us to be his family and their gunshots. Yes. Well, Plato breaks into the observatory because that's easy to do. Because the mansion that like when they pointed out looked like at least a mile away is all of at a sudden least. right next door to the right. Griffin Observatory. And there are no there are no, uh, you None. know, like the observatory isn't up on a mountain. Yeah. I mean, that you have to run up to be able to get to it, to break into it. Like but it totally we're talking is. realism, in, but, and there is no yeah. realism in the film. So, uh, Plato is shooting at a cop. There are sirens. A new cop car comes. Jim's parents are in a car. Yeah, I don't know how all of these people knew that this was where they all had to go, but they just show up. Like, the police, I understand, because... <sighs> 
well, I guess I don't. I guess there were calls. I guess somehow they knew that there was a B&E and they like followed the guy to the Griffin Observatory. I don't know how Jim's parents knew to go to the observatory. I don't know how that uh, the dude in the suit who was like the social worker type guy, how he knew to go there. But they all conveniently end up at the Griffin Observatory. As does our caretaker, the person of color. She ends up there. I felt, I just, man. She, I'm, I'm pretty sure she's got her own family to deal with. She doesn't need to be out here worried about this puppy killer. No, but that's what, that's what she's getting paid for. and She has a, a work ethic. So the police are yelling, drop your weapon and come out, and Jay and Jay run in. So Jim's calling to Playtile, and he goes into the observatory, which is completely black, and he starts flipping those switches he was playing with back on the field trip. Um, and Judy goes, Jim... <laughs> Because this is the time for these kind of questions. Do you think the end of the world will come at nighttime? Yeah, I'm like, Judy, I'm busy. Like, this kid is, he's very deeply troubled and he has a loaded firearm. I'm trying to keep him from, I'm trying to keep him alive and none of us killed. Trying to keep from the second person on my watch dying tonight. (laughs) Yeah. All right. Um, you remember your he, boyfriend, Buzz, the guy that's dead? Uh, you don't. <laughs> he was your boyfriend? Yeah. And he takes the time to answer Judy because he loves her. No, I think it's going to come at dawn. That's just how cool James Dean is. I mean, you do understand why James Dean is James fucking Dean. He finds Plato. And he says, take my jacket, it's warm. Now, remember at the very beginning mm-hmm. when he first met him, he was drunk and Plato was shivering and um, they were like, why are you so cold? And James Dean gets all drunk and takes off his sport coat and he tries to give it to Plato and Plato won't take it. And when uh, Plato, after he had come, like said whatever he said, James Dean knocks on the door and of the window, and he's like, why didn't you take my jacket? So we never find out why Plato didn't take his jacket. But then, at the end of the movie, we are presented with this. And it's not just a jacket. It is the red jacket. It is the James Dean red jacket. Mm-hmm. Looks like a members only. It does. And um, James Dean is saying, the gun, can I have it? And Plato says, no. And James Dean says, no, I need it. And James Dean says, just give it to me for a second. So he gives it to him. He takes the clip out. So now he, he has a gun, but it, it has no bullets in um, it. Um, wait a second. There's always a bullet in the chamber. That is, that is still a loaded gun. That is... I am not a gun person, but I do know when you take the clip out, you always assume that there's a gun in the chamber. A bullet in the chamber. Uh, Yes. And and James Dean says, everyone wants you safe. Um, Said I could come. Oh, the police said I could come in and bring you out and you need to go see Judy. And Plato says, it's too bright. And and, because all the cop cars um, headlights are 
are facing the observatory. So James Dean yells at the police, turn out the lights and we'll come out. At which point I wrote, is Plato on the spectrum? Ma, do you think? So Plato runs out with the empty gun and... It's not an empty gun. He all right, still with has one a bullet, bullet in, the chamber, in the chamber and he gets shot. Yeah. James Dean is crying and laughing because um, Sal Minio that day, for real, put on mismatched socks. Oh, he did they, in real life? Yeah. And and they uh, they made fun of him when um, when he fell asleep on the pool deck. They saw he had one red and one blue sock on. So as he's laying there dead, he has one red sock and one blue sock. So through his tears, James Dean could laugh about that. And... He sobs with his dad and he says, help me. And his dad says, I'll stand up if you stand up. I'll try to be as strong as you want me to be. The person of color is crying over Plato. (laughs) My money. She's not going to support. She's like, maybe I can. Maybe none of this happened and her son's still alive. Yeah, yeah. So James Dean puts on because uh, he had uh, he had lost a shoe in in all the uh, Plato had lost a shoe so he puts his shoe back on. And mom, dad, this is Judy. She's my friend. <laughs> I was. They get up and then Judy's there. He puts his arm around Judy and she's just like, "Mom, dad, this is Judy. She's my friend." By the way, her husband died not even, or not husband, her boyfriend died not even 24 hours ago. Okay. This is the second dead body we're seeing today. (laughs) So the siren comes and it's taking Plato away and the person of color is crying and the credits come up the end. Yeah. That's Rebel Without a Cause. That's Rebel Without a Cause. It's like, What? And um, I got to tell you that all of my, uh, well, they said that they, um, that the writers wanted Plato to be gay and he um, got a Best Supporting Actor nomination for his portrayal. Yes, he got a Best Supporting Actor nomination. Natalie Wood got Best Supporting Actress, and Nicholas Ray got Best Writing. These are nominations. Originally, the film wanted to include a kiss between Jim and Plato. Oh. Interesting. But it was 1955. Mm-hmm. And that's all the that's all the trivia I have because I use some trivia in, in my retelling. I a little bit more. So the mansion was the same mansion used in Sunset Boulevard. Mm. Soon after that, it was demolished. I thought, I was like, why does this mansion kind of look a little, like the pool? So why does this kind of look a little bit familiar? So let me see what else. Well, we did that. Um, Screenplay. So I guess I'll talk about, oh, the, the actor studio. Because I, I, when I was watching this, I said, James Dean reminds me a lot of Marlon Brando. And the actor studio, as you have probably seen inside the actor studio, 
Hi, it yeah. was founded in 1950, or no, like in the, in the 40s by Ilya Kazan, Cheryl Crawford, and Robert Lewis. And then Lee Strausberg took over in 1951. And he was known for his method acting. There's like, I don't know, Stanislavski or something, like these method actors. And he, so these are just a few of the actors who have studied under Strausberg. Anne Bancroft, Dustin Hoffman, Montgomery Clift, Marilyn Monroe, Jane Fonda, Julie Harris, Paul Newman, Ellen Burstyn, Al Pacino, Geraldine Page, Eli Wallach. Like, that's not too shabby. Not too shabby. You have an acting school and you're like, well, here are some actors that I have produced. It is currently run, and I don't know, this was on Wikipedia, so I don't know how true it is. But it says it's currently being run by Al Pacino, Ellen Burstyn, and Harvey Keitel. Really? Yeah. I was just like, wow. Huh. I want to go. <laughs> <laughs> so you get all methody and stuff, and you're really hard to be around all the time? That's great. Like Daniel Day-Lewis? Yeah, probably. Um... Okay, here's some interesting things. So, James Dean, he tragically died in a car accident. Mm-hmm. People, he famously got pulled over that day for speeding. But then they, when they, I did a little extra internet research because I was kind of fascinated by it. I was like, well, what happened? I saw some accident recreations. And they say in the recreations, based on where his car ended up, that he was probably only going about 55 now, the guy that hit him, that was making a kind of left-hand turn, they said that he wasn't at fault. But in the recreations, I kind of don't understand how he's not at fault when he was the one making a left-hand turn. And doesn't the other person have the right of way? Mm-hmm. So, that, I was kind of like, I, I was like, eh. And then I wanted to know who benefited the most from James Dean's untimely death. And? Um... You know, you can't really say these things, like who would have benefited, blah, blah, blah. But Paul Newman did get James Dean's role in Somebody Up There Likes Me. Who did? Paul Newman. And Paul Newman... You're not implying. And Paul Newman does kind of look a little bit like he's in the James Dean mold. You kind of take into account his other roles that he played... Like, couldn't you see James Dean being brick? Yeah. Uh, so I'm kind of like, oh, man, that's interesting. And J- and Paul Newman, race car driver. Yeah. He, you know, he was a race car driver. He didn't, he didn't end up getting killed. It's just like, whoa, that's kind of crazy. I will say, aesthetically, Paul Newman was better looking than I, I do believe that Paul Newman is better looking, yes. James Dean was more of a bad boy look, but um yeah, okay. Um here's something interesting. So of the the three that are in the triangle, uh-huh. you have you have James Dean, you have Sal Minio, you have Natalie Wood. All of them had suspicious deaths. And and died young, yes? Two of them were murdered. I'm just going to say it. 
She went there. I went there. Natalie Wood. So Natalie Wood died in 1981 in a drowning slash boating accident. And didn't they just recently reopen that case? They are reopening that investigation. Yeah. I will prefer, allegedly, whatever. I have a theory, and that is that Robert Wagner has gotten old and probably dementia has set in. And now he's reliving things, like, Mm. from the past. And he's probably saying some, like, what did you say, Bobby? Mm-hmm. So that and then Sal Minio, he wasn't he wasn't he in 1976. So he wasn't like a young man, but he was stabbed by a stranger. That's how he died. Stabbed by a stranger. Was was he gay in real life? Oh, I didn't look up the I didn't look up that. But he he began his career start. So he was a little juvenile delinquent himself. And he got in trouble when he was real young, like a little kid. He got in trouble and his mom put him in different classes and stuff. And then at age 10, I think this happened like in the Bronx, New York. At age 10, he got arrested for robbery and the powers that be gave him two choices. One, you can go to juvie. You're just in juvenile detention and you're down that path. Or two... You can do professional acting school. What? Yeah. What? <laughs> yes. That's crazy. So he was, uh, oh, professional acting school, please. And then he became Salminio. Maybe he really did kill puppies. Who knows? Who knows? We already said that the beginning scene was whatever it's called. It was improvised by um. So, yeah, that's all. That's all I have. That's you know, rebel. Without that was a rebel without a cause. Interesting. Well, next week we're going to do a 1956 film. 1956. This film has um, we have seen before, Miss Ingrid Bergman. A newcomer to Gone with the Bushes, Ewell Brenner, and Helen Hayes. Ewell Brenner and Helen Hayes? It is a film of um, a, a person in history with whom I was obsessed. Is is this the story? Like, wait, yes. Helen, is this, wait, a person you were obsessed with, but Ewell Brenner? Is this the king and I? No, no, no. no. It Wait, wasn't is this the miracle act- worker? It wasn't an actor I was obsessed with. It is a real person from history I was obsessed with. The, the woman who couldn't hear, Helen Keller? This is the film version, Anastasia. Anastasia? Now, since Disney has bastardized the story... But there really was um, Anastasia, the daughter of Tsar Nicholas. And um, so it's that story about someone who who feels like they survived um, the killing of the royal family. The Romanovs. And 
and surfaced later. <clears throat> uh, she had the name Anna Anderson, but then some people wanted um, to benefit from her, you know, like getting the Romanoff uh, inheritance. And so um, she had to convince the one living aunt of the Romanoff family that she was indeed Anastasia. So it's a pretty good film. Come on, Ingrid Bergman. I am intrigued because I kind of, don't they think that like she wasn't though? Yes. Is everybody like, no man, like these were the Russians. They made sure that everyone was dead. Yes. <laughs> I actually did a research paper oh. on Anastasia. I can't be sure. But I thought the guy that did Mad Men, he kind of got caught up in the whole Me Too stuff. But before all that, so I don't know the status of it, but I thought his next project was the Romanovs. What? Yeah, I don't know the status of it or if I dreamt it. It's a pretty intriguing story. Um, either way, whether she really was Anastasia or whether these people groomed her to... Um, become Anastasia so they could get, you know, a cut of the money. But um, so that that will be our film next week. Interesting. I did look it up to make sure that we could actually view it. I think we can find it on iTunes. Okay. Sounds good. Okay. Well, see, and um, listeners, I know you really missed us the last two weeks. We had some um, um, trips and, and other things that interfered, but we are back and we'll be back next week with Anastasia. Bye-bye. <gasps>